0: Just last week, you'll know that we uh, started a short series uh, on the subject of gathering, on gathering. And uh, I guess gathering is what we do here on a Sunday, isn't it? You're here. We have gathered together. And uh, I wanted to talk for a few weeks about really why we do that, what's important to us, uh, what are some of our values as we meet together, why, why it's important, in fact, to meet together, and what we're going for uh, as we do. Because a you know, gathering in and of itself is, good, is, is not bad, it's a good thing. But I want to remind us why we're doing it. And uh, ultimately, we'll we see, in a, as we look at this over a few weeks, we're gathering uh, to worship God, we're gathering to grow, and we're gathering in order that we might then go. Because there's a city of around about a quarter of a million people or so uh, within striking distance. And uh, if you include the population uh, of towns and villages that are around us, it's huge. And God has given us a big task to be part of. It's not our responsibility on our own. We're working alongside many other local churches who have got a heart to serve the city and the surrounding area. But we need to take responsibility for what's our part to play. And we do have a part to play. I want to to remind us over these uh, few weeks of some of those things that are important to us in order that we might gather to worship God, to grow, and ultimately then to to go. And we've talked a bit about life groups already this morning. Matt mentioned that. And it's important that we gather in a large context and a small context. And it's important large groups and, and small groups Both have got different strengths and and indeed different weaknesses. Both are important to us, which is why we want to emphasise both. Jesus gathered the twelve to him, didn't he? We we read in Mark 3 last week. Uh, And Paul wrote to the Corinthians, when you gather, this is what you should be doing. So the assumption then is that we will gather. The assumption is that we will. And I guess... It's even worth restating that because there are some people who would say, oh, it, it doesn't matter, it's not important. You, know, you, you can be a Christian without gathering, without meeting with others, without doing some of these things. And uh, as we said last week, if the question is, you know, can I be a Christian, can I put my trust in Jesus and uh, ask him to forgive my sins uh, without gathering with other people, then the answer is yes, you can because it's you need to do that between you and him. The is... Can I be a disciple of Jesus as the New Testament intends and follow him like the Bible expects without meeting with other, other Christians and gathering together? Then the answer is no, you can't because the Bible expects that to be part of our Christian life and part of our walk with God. The first commandment that is emphasized to us again in Luke 10, you know it, I'm sure, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Luke 10, 27. And so we looked last week about how, firstly, we gather to God. We gather to worship, as we've been doing already this morning. But I want to go on this morning and look at the subject of gathering to grow. Gathering to grow. So if you're taking some notes, you might want to stick that as your title, because that's our second reason to gather, gathering to grow. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll spend a few moments looking at this together. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your presence with us. We love to worship you. We love to encounter you in worship. We pray now we might encounter you in your words. as we open it together and look at what you have for us, we pray, Holy Spirit, it would come alive to us and you would apply the words of Scripture to our lives, both individually and corporately, that we might live lives that are true to it, and lives that honour you and grow in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the second reason to gather, then, is to grow. Number one, gathering to worship, gathering to God. Number two, gathering to grow. See, encountering God like we've done in worship, in meeting him, encountering God should change us. If you think about it for a moment, if you encounter, if you truly encounter the living God who made everything, the universe, all that we see around us, if you meet him, then you should come away changed, I would suggest, if you truly encountered him. Would you agree? If you think about it, if we've truly encountered God, not just heard about him, not just heard somebody else talk about him or relay their story, valid and encouraging though that is, but if you have truly encountered God, then that's going to change you. And That's why we want to push through in worship to encounter God, because that will help us to grow in him. It's not just about singing some songs or... Uh, Not even just about contributions, but rather it's about going for his presence and encountering him. But as we do that, then we should be changed. But as well as that, we need to be intentional about growing in God. We can't just say, oh, it's okay, I'll just encounter God in worship and that'll do me. That'll be good, (laughs) and let's go for that. But as well as that, we need to be intentional about growing in God. Peter put it like this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he says this, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Those of you who have currently got, uh, like we have, or, or had, or have had friends who have had small babies, will know that they crave food, or they crave milk, depending upon their age. And it's not that you have to teach them to do that. They just know that's what they want. Immediately they come out, what they want to do, they want to be fed. They're craving milk. They're craving uh, that sort of energy they get from that. They're craving that refreshment. They know that's what they need. You don't have to sit a newborn baby down and explain to them that having milk's a good thing. They don't need to even go on a, go on a course to, to find out you know, how, how, how they get it, be it from a, their mother or from a bottle. They just know that's what they need. You don't have to explain it to them. The midwife doesn't come in with some picture cards and say, right, baby, look at cards. Do you notice what you need to do now? Do you notice how you, you need know, it? It doesn't happen like that, does it? At least it hasn't happened in our experience like that. They just know. They crave it. And what Peter's saying here to his readers and indeed to us is like newborn babies, like they crave milk, and believe me, they do. (laughs) At two o'clock in the morning and three and and so on. (laughs) You know it. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Why? So that by it you may grow up In your salvation, Peter expects there to be a growth going on in your salvation. When you trust in Jesus, at that very moment you first put your trust in Him, and maybe there are some of you here this morning who haven't done that yet. Well, when you do that, when you first put your trust in Jesus, when you first acknowledge Him as your Lord, when you first give Him that rightful place in your life, when you first ask him to forgive everything you've done wrong, and he does, then you are made a totally new person in him. A new creation, as the Bible phrases it. And that's done, it's complete. You're not more saved 20 years later than you are at that point. It's complete. It is finished. Jesus has done all that is necessary for your salvation. But... God doesn't expect us to stay at that place. It's not that we somehow become more saved as we grow in him, but rather he wants us to have a greater understanding of him, a greater appreciation of him and his greatness and his glory and his love for us and all that he has done and accomplished for us. He wants us to grow in that understanding. We don't expect babies just to hang out on milk for the rest of their lives, do we? It, it's fine for a season, but as they grow, they need more. And as we grow in God, God wants us to get hold of his word and get hold of him. Not that we somehow become more saved, because that's completely done. But rather, we might grow in him. We might grow up in him. We might grow as Christians. We might grow in our understanding of him. The writer of the Hebrews puts it like this in Hebrews 5. He says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. A rebuke there, isn't it? But he goes on. He says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with a teaching about righteousness. And what the writer of the Hebrews is saying here, he's saying to the readers, listen, you, you, you can't cope with solid food at the moment. You need milk. But he's expecting there to be a growth. He's expecting them to be able to get hold of solid food, of solid teaching. Both Paul and the writer here to the Hebrews expects their readers to be growing in God. So whilst you might be and you are completely and totally saved when you put your trust in Jesus. God doesn't want to leave us at that point in terms of our understanding of him, but rather wants us to grow in him. So my question to you is this. Are you growing as a Christian? Are you growing as a Christian? How do you tell? Well, if you look back, say, a year or a couple of years... And if you compared your relationship to God now, to how it was then, what would the comparison be? What might you say? Might you say, well, a year or two ago, maybe you were a brand new Christian at that point. You might say, well, I've just begun to, to, to understand that God loved me. And it may be a year or two later, you've got a greater understanding of that. You've got into God's words. You understand the plans and purposes that God has for your life. You might say, yeah, I've grown in him. Maybe over the last year or two, you've, you've stepped out in his gifts. Maybe you felt that God has spoken to you about a particular, particular gift or a particular ministry area, and, and you've begun to take some steps into that. And you can say, well, you know what? Yeah, in the last year or so, I, I've begun to step out in this area of trusting God. Maybe it's in the area of finance. You, you've grown. You've been able to trust God in it. And he's spoken to you and given you promises, and you've, you, 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 you've taken him at his words. Maybe you've just started tithing. And you can say, well, actually, a year or two ago, you know, my finances were in a mess, but God spoke to me about it, and I've started to get them in order, and I've been giving to him, and I've been getting my finances in order. I've been growing in faith that God will provide. Maybe you'd say something like that. I wonder what it is for you. Are you growing as a Christian? As you look back, do you find that things have changed? If you were to... uh, to enter, say, the London Marathon, as we saw just recently. Have any of you ever done the London Marathon or something like that? One or two two of you. You will know that you have to put some effort in in order to complete the race. Am I right? I'm hoping you'll you'll work with me on this (laughs) illustration here. You have to put some effort in. You have to be intentional about it, don't you? You can't just get up one morning and go, well, you know what, I think I'll do a marathon today. How, How many miles is a marathon? 26.2. 26.2. So it's, it's quite a long way. It's not just a point two. it's a 26.2. So you can't just wake up uh, one morning and go, you know what, today I'm going to run 26.2 miles in how long? What's good, three hours, four hours, something like that? You, you can't do it. You could try but you wouldn't get very far. you get a certain amount of distance into the course. If it was me, it would be maybe the 0.2 miles. If it was you, maybe it would be the 6.2. But you'd get that far and then you'd just collapse. If you didn't train for it, if you weren't intentional about achieving that goal, you would not make it, be it you addressed in a crazy costume, as some of these marathon runners often are, or whether you'd, you know, bought the, the best running shorts and trainers the money could buy. If you didn't prepare for it, if you didn't train for it, if you, didn't, if you weren't intentional about it, you would not complete it. Friends, we need to, to realise that if we're not intentional about growing in our faith, if we're not intentional about growing in God, if we're not intentional about our understanding and appreciation and our love for him growing, then it's not going to happen. Because we all lead busy lives. We've all got lots of things going on. We've all got lots of pressures coming at us from different areas. But we need to be rooted on and in God's word and say, this is my foundation. I want to grow in this. I want to grow in him. And I'll take other things as they come. Because as we do that, then we find ourselves growing in him. Now there are lots of areas that you can grow. In. We've talked to some of them already. Our love for him. Our understanding of his love for us. Our understanding of God's word. Our understanding of the Holy Spirit. And what it is to operate in the gifts that he gives us. Maybe you could grow in evangelism, in your, in your passion for people who don't know Jesus yet. Are you growing in that? Are you growing in that? We often use the phrase, "words and spirit. And uh, we often say we want to be a church of both, and it's true, we do. We want to be a church that values God's word, that's foundational. I want to be a church that values the presence of the Holy Spirit. And very often, churches can emphasize one or the other. And if I'm honest with you, it's probably easier if you just emphasize one or the other. Because there's less to juggle. You can say, yeah, I'm just going to emphasize that. Maybe you just emphasize the preaching of God's word and, and, and that's all it is. Or maybe you think, well, oh, it's not always time for that, so we'll just emphasize the presence of God. It's easier. It's easier just to say, let's go for one or the other. But that's not what God expects of us. That's not what the Bible encourages us to go for. But rather, I want us to emphasize both and. Word and Spirit. Not one or the other. Let's go for both. And as we go for both, we need to make sure that we're growing in both as well. So are you growing then in your love for God? Are you growing in your love for one another? If you were to pick up one of these um, welcome packs, I'm hoping I can find the, uh, the right page here. Here we go. One of the pages talks about our vision on here. And it talks about how we want to be a church that loves God, loves one another, loves those who don't know Jesus yet, serves the city, and reaches nations. So the challenge for us is this. Are we growing in those things? Are you growing in your love for God? Are you growing in your love for one another? Now, I have to be careful at this stage because I could spend the next while just preaching on that. We don't have time to do that this morning. But my question is this, are we growing in that? Are you growing in that? Are you growing in your love for God? Are you growing in your love for one another? What about your your love for for God's words? Do you find yourself as you grow as a Christian more wanting to get into this book? Or do you find that more likely it stays on the shelf during the week? Are you growing in that? Are you not only reading God's word, but are you experiencing his truth? As you read any book, you learn to, uh, to find out something about the author, don't you? If you read a number of books by a particular author, you sort of you know, get a feel for what, what they're like and maybe some things that are important to them. Listen, as you read this book, even more than that, you don't just read about God, you can get to know God. Don't we want that? We do, don't we? And as well as reading God's word, let's, let's be getting into other books that help us to understand God and, and all of his, uh, everything, all his characteristics, his love for us. Let's be getting hold of good Christian books that help feed us and stir us to worship. We need to be doing that. But as well as loving God, we need to be growing in our love for one another. 1 John 4, verse 11 says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, so also we ought to love one another. And if you read through that letter of 1 John, there's one phrase that keeps coming up time and time again. It's like John's got a record stuck and he keeps coming back to it of loving one another. And it's not that somehow it was stuck and he just couldn't think of anything else to say, but rather it was so important to him and should be to us love one another love one another paul puts it like this in romans 12 he says just as each of us have one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in christ we who are many form one body and listen to this and each member belongs to all the others It's not that just somehow we turn up and happen to be in the same place on a Sunday morning, good though that is, but rather what Paul's saying here, as a church, as a company of believers together, we belong to one another. We should be loving one another with that depth, with that sincerity, with that reality to it. It's not just we happen to meet together, but rather we we belong to one another, we love one another. We need to be growing in that. So are you growing in your love for one another? Would you say yes or no to that question, I wonder? Before you answer it, answering yes to that question involves action. I think it's hard to say, yes, I'm growing in love for one another, but then not do anything about it. We've just had a new baby, as many of you will know. And uh, we were very grateful that a, a day or so after Reuben was born, we, we had a list of paper delivered with a whole bunch of names on it and people that were going to provide meals for us for the next 10 days or so. And it was wonderful. It was just great. I remember at one point saying to Sarah, you know what, I think we're doing quite well with this new baby luck. You know, it's okay. You know, we were finding it all right and uh, the girls are are fine with their their new brother, Uh, and we're on top of things, the house is okay, everything's good. And then I realized that I wasn't at work, and uh, meals are being delivered to us every day at five o'clock, and uh, these two major things hadn't yet kicked back in. But we so appreciated the love and care that people gave us in providing a meal for us. And some of you were part of that, and if you were, thank you very much who really appreciated it. But that's loving one another in action. It's not just saying, oh yeah, we love you. (laughs) Have fun. But rather it's saying, we love you, and here's an expression of that. And it's that expression that then puts that into action, isn't it? Those of you who are married, probably on your wedding day, said to your husband and wife, or wife, that you love them. At least I hope you did on your wedding day. But I hope that you've said it lots of times since then as well. Because love needs expressing. It's no good just saying, well, dear, I, I told you then, and I haven't changed my mind, so it's, we're all good. But rather, your husband or wife want to hear it. And as well as wanting to hear it, they want to see it expressed in different ways. John and Julie have spoken about this subject and talking about the marriage course and how we need to put you know, those sort of loving actions or loving thoughts into action as well as words and appreciating one another. You see, loving one another requires an expression. So how are we doing, church? How are we doing? How are you doing on loving one another? See, loving God requires expression, doesn't it? Loving one another requires expression as well. We need to be growing as well in God's word, growing in our love for one another, growing in our love for God, obviously, but also growing in our love for God's words. And I want to encourage us to get into this, to read it. I wonder do you have a plan? Just as you'd need a plan if you were about to undertake the marathon, or perhaps not about to undertake it, but maybe undertake it next year. Maybe your plan needs to be a little longer. But do you have a plan? about getting into God's Word. So often it's easy just to think, oh, I need to read the Bible, and you just sort of pick it up and get some random verse, and you think, oh, well, you know, where, where do I start? What do I read? <laughs> and often it's easy to get into that. I want to encourage you, get a plan. John and Val are going to run a training track uh, later in the term, talking about how to get into the Bible. Maybe if you haven't quite got hold of how to read through it, or you want to grind your, your knowledge of this book, They're going to run a training track a few weeks, helping you, giving you some skills to get into God's Word and how to study it well. I'd encourage and recommend that course to you. Do you have a plan? Do you have... I don't know what it might be. You can get Bible reading notes. Sometimes that's a good plan. It might be you pick up your notes and there's a passage of Scripture there for every day. And you can read the passage of Scripture and read some notes that will help you apply it to your life. Maybe you're just reading through the whole Bible. And have you done that? Have you read the whole thing? You're just reading through the, the whole book. Or maybe you're reading through, through part of it. Maybe you're going to get into a particular letter or a particular book of the Bible and get a hold of that and get a commentary and, and really dig deep into it. I want to encourage you, whatever method you use, use it. But have a plan, just as you need a plan if you are going to undertake a marathon. It's not just about growing in knowledge. It's not just about knowing where particular verses are. It's not just so you can think, hey, I know where that verse is. But rather, as you read this book, you encounter the author. And you can grow in God as, as you read it. As you read it, you become more like him. Paul says to the Philippians, Philippians 1 verse 9. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. There's some great things in that verse, aren't there? That's Paul's prayer for his readers and also for us as well. That our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, how do you think we get that knowledge and depth of insight? Friends, it's from this book. It's as we read this, as we allow the truth of Scripture to seep into our lives, it does us good. And what's the benefit? Well, Paul tells us here, one of the benefits is that we may be able to discern what is best. Discernment's a great gift, isn't it? Knowing what is best. Paul says as you grind these things, you'll be able to discern what is best. Be able to discern these things. Be able to discern what God's saying to you. Might be able to discern his will in a particular situation. Might be able to know him more. That you may be, Paul goes on, pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So as we read this book, it does us good. And it's not that somehow we read it and think, oh, here's a set of rules and regulations. If I tickle these boxes, then 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 I'll be doing well. It's not like that. It's as you read this book, as you encounter God through it, as you allow the Holy Spirit to apply it to your lives, then as you do that, you, you find that you start living in a different way because this truth is deep within you and comes out in the way that you live. And it's not then about putting up a list of rules and saying, oh, tick that box, tick that one. It's about actually as you read this book, you encounter God afresh. You allow him to speak to you, allow him to speak to your, to your heart and to your mind so that as you live, you might find the truth of this just coming out, just coming out as you live. We've talked about growing in our love for God, growing in our love for one another, growing in our love for God's word. And the other area I want us to talk about is in the whole area of the Holy Spirit. But I think that's such a, um, a big topic that I'm going to leave that until next time. I don't think we've got time to start that now and, and then get to where I want to conclude. So perhaps for the first time ever, I'm going to wrap up quickly. And we'll leave that until next time rather than just start it and, and only get sort of halfway through. So I want to encourage us Let's be growing in God. As we gather, one of the reasons we're gathering is to grow. So let's be gathering to worship. Let's be gathering to grow. And As we do that, we're growing our love for him, our love for one another, our love for God's words. And next time we'll look at growing in the Holy Spirit. Okay. Why don't we stand together? If the band can come up, please. I'd love us to... Uh, spend just a few moments worshipping God together as we close and, and praying for one another as well. I feel particularly for those of you who have been Christians for a while. Now, you can define a while however you like, I don't mind. But listen, for those of you who have been Christians a while or been going to church for a while, I want to ask you, are you clear in your mind why, why you come, why we gather? I just feel the Holy Spirit wants to remind you and emphasize some of the things we've talked about this morning and give you perhaps a fresh passion for, for God's church and for gathering together. Not that it might just be a, oh yeah, that's an optional extra if I can fit it in, but rather you might appreciate all that God has for you as you gather and as you meet with uh, others who love Jesus and want to honour him too. I'm going to pray and uh, Caroline's going to lead us in a song. And then there'll be one or two things that I think perhaps we can pray for one another in and uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help us in. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your invitation to our relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that you've uh, shown us how then to live for you. Thank you, Lord God, that you've uh, talked in your word about how we should gather together and what we should do as we do that in worshipping you and growing in these things and then ultimately going for you and of you. We pray right now, Lord God, that you would underline some of these things we've talked about this morning. Lord Jesus, help us to grow in these areas. Help us, Lord God, to grow in our love for you, our love for one another. Our love for your word and your Holy Spirit. We pray in all of these areas, for every one of us, Lord, we'll be growing. And I pray for us as a church as well, we'll be growing in these things. Help us, Lord, as a community of people in this place, to be growing in each of these areas. We might see you at work right across the church. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name.